Hello from First Baptist Church of Asheboro, North Carolina. We're happy to have you and glad that you've decided to join us for an enlightening message from our own Pastor Scotty Carpenter. Now let's join Pastor Scotty. Ezekiel is calling his people to hear from God because God has a message that will turn all of us back toward him. And it, when we read through the Old Testament prophets, we sometimes get the idea that they're shouting at us, that they're screaming these warnings. And there's a sense in which they are because warnings are necessary. Warnings have that way of screaming at us to get our attention And I'm somewhat amused by warning labels. They're almost a challenge of sorts to me. So that when I see a package, a box that says, do not cut open with a knife. I automatically think this has got to be written for people who don't know how to use knives properly. (laughs) I can open the box with a knife if I want to open a box with a knife. And then moments later, after I've damaged the inside contents of the box, I go, so that's why the box said, do not open with a knife. But we have warnings in our lives for a reason. And Ezekiel was that voice. And we, it's never popular being the voice that, that carries forth a message that we are not walking with God but there's a way back to God. It's always difficult to tell people you're not in fellowship with God. You're sinning against God. You're disobedient. But Ezekiel was given that task, but it is a task that is a true sign of grace as we look together. I invite you to look with me the first six verses of Ezekiel chapter 33. And what we find in chapter 33 is that God speaks to us because He loves us. This is actually a sign of grace that God gives us His Word and that He speaks to us. And Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 1, simply says, The Word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel saying what has happened in his life. The Word of the Lord came to me. And the prophets in the Old Testament and the writers of the Bible in general, God spoke to them in a very unique way. And that is how we have the scripture. So we have here in chapter 33, verse 1, Ezekiel saying, God has spoken to me. And what he's saying by that is everything that he shared with the people. He's saying this is directly from God. He's speaking as the voice of God in these words that he says. Now that's important because Ezekiel was not just sitting out one day observing what was happening in the world and he came up with some political commentary. These are not just Ezekiel's thoughts and observations about what is happening in the world. This is a unique word from the Lord. And that is important to us because to see that God Himself actually cares about what is happening in our world. God speaks to us because He wants us to have a relationship with Him. God wants us to be restored to Him. 
And even today, God continues to speak to us and God draws us to him because he loves us. Those that we love, we give warnings to, we give instructions to. And so we look at this as a tremendous act of grace that God would continue speaking to us. It's something to think about sometimes. You know, we can really get down on ourselves, especially when we're not walking with God and we feel convicted by the Holy Spirit. A positive in that is that we are being convicted by the Holy Spirit. As long as God is speaking to us, that is a tremendous sign of grace. The fact that we feel that draw, that tug from God to walk with Him, it means that God's still working in our life. One of the warnings that we get during the summertime is usually related to swimming pools. One of the words that parents say to children often is don't run by the swimming pool now if you're a child you've got to be thinking parents just stay up at night thinking of ways to ruin our fun i mean what could be more fun than darting out of a swimming pool and taking off running so why do parents always want to make children walk by the swimming pool why are they trying to ruin children's fun well because if you've ever been around a swimming pool very long and someone takes off running by a pool, what eventually happens? You slip, you fall, you hit your head, you bang up your arm, skin your knee. That warning is there because of the danger that lies ahead. And this message has that kind of a tone to it. It comes across as harsh. And it is intended to get our attention as we look at verse 33. But it's the overall message of Scripture. It's not just this one prophecy. It is that God gives us His Word, the entirety of Scripture, as a word to us, as a gracious act, so that we can know Him, so that we can understand why Jesus came, so that we can understand the cross, so that we can understand the future that we have in God. That is the reason that God has given us His Word. And we see this in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve are in the garden, they, they sin against God. God comes to them. Exodus chapter 20. God meets Moses and gives them the Ten Commandments. These are gracious acts of God. We have all of these prophets in the Old Testament, Ezekiel being one of them, where God speaks to us. We get into the New Testament. We have Jesus coming Himself, physically being born as a man, fully God, fully man, living among us. God came to us. After Jesus ascends to heaven, we have the apostles who continue sharing this truth that God has come for us and that God desires that we have a relationship with Him and follow Him. God speaks to us because He loves us. And the particular message of chapter 33 is that of a watchman. And a watchman was someone who sat in a tower on the gates of the city and looked out all around the city and watched for an approaching enemy. In ancient cities, they were very vulnerable to attack. They were always vulnerable. So they always had someone whose job it was to sit in that tower and look all around and watch for an enemy that might be in the distance. 
So a watchman served a very valuable role. And Ezekiel is using that same terminology under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say that God has called us to be spiritual watchmen as well. We are always vulnerable for attack. And we always need someone watching and looking over the landscape and saying, what dangers are there that are out there? And when we have that, we come back to this passage and we see what the role of a watchman is. The watchman must see clearly. Obviously, if a watchman is, is sitting in that tower on the gates of the city, needs that ability to look into the distance, that awareness to be awake. So what is it that he's looking for? Look with me at verse 2 and the first part of verse 3 in chapter 33. And the text says, If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them, and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land... We have this image, of course, of someone sitting in a watchtower looking out over the land. This is a person that the people have appointed, we read in verse 2. And he's put in that position to watch over the land. Just notice the simple language here. If he sees the sword coming upon the land. The job of the watchman is to identify an enemy when an enemy is out there. There's all kinds of activity taking place. There would have been people who were farming off in the distance. And the watchman's job was to identify that person's not a threat. That's perfectly fine. And most of the time, that was their job. They would look out. They would see normal activity, nothing unusual, good things that are happening. But every once in a while, there would be a threat and that threat would need to be determined very quickly. Is this a danger to the city? Is there an enemy approaching? And the job of the watchman was to be able to make that decisive point of, is this a threat to us or not? Now, if you watch old westerns, it's very easy to determine who the enemy is. In an old western, all you have to do is look for the black hat. Good guys wear white hats. Bad guys wear black hats. So it makes it very easy to determine. Well, they quit doing that a few years ago. We can't tell so easily now. But one of the jobs that we have is being able to determine what is a real threat and what is not a threat. And one of the things that I want you to think about as we go through this passage is who is this watchman? There are different times that different people have the role of watchman. But I want to propose to you today that you and I are each watchman in a role in our lives. Perhaps you are a person with that role for your family. Who is watching over your family for a threat? We are watchmen for our own lives, for our own souls. Are you watching over your own heart? I want to invite you to think about this role in your life, how God might use you to be in this watchful position. 
is the first part is that being able to see clearly, being able to identify what are the threats that come against us in our life? What are the threats that come against our family? What are the threats that come against our church? And the ability to make that distinction clearly and quickly was essential to an ancient city's survival. And it is essential for you and I today to be able to make that quick determination. It's not always as easy as seeing a black hat. Satan, Genesis chapter 3, tells us the very first verse of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Satan was crafty. Now that doesn't mean he's really good at making wedding cakes. It means that he's sneaky. It means that he intentionally disguises himself as someone who is good. And so it's not always immediately easy to determine what is a real threat and what is not. It is a continual job of ours to search our own hearts. It is a continual job of ours to be looking to see what are the true threats in our life. One of Satan's strategies is to get us fighting the wrong battles. And if we identify every threat out there, everything that comes in our life as an enemy, we will exhaust ourselves fighting many battles that aren't the right battle. And that is part of Satan's strategy to divide us, to have us fighting against enemies that aren't real enemies. And another part of his strategy is to help us not see who the true enemies are. And we never even engage when it's time to engage Part of the watchman's battle is to make that quick determination, that accurate determination that this is a real threat. And once that threat has been perceived, the watchman must speak clearly. As soon as a watchman on that tower would identify an approaching enemy, it would sound the alarm to all of the countryside. Verse 6 says this, but if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. The watchman had a huge level of responsibility on him. And can you imagine a watchman sitting in that tower, seeing an enemy coming and thinking, you know, I just really don't feel like working today. This passage recounts the ancient principle that if a watchman doesn't warn the people, the watchman is responsible for all the, what happens to all the people. We have a responsibility once we identify the true enemy to send the warning, to send out the alarm. And that message would have been heard across the countryside. It would have been sounded from a ram's horn. It made a very distinct sound. And everyone knew when they heard that sound as it rang out across the countryside that it was a warning. And if you were outside of the city working, maybe you were a farmer and you heard that sound, you knew to immediately stop what you were doing and get inside the city walls. And once people were inside, they would close the gate and they would prepare for an approaching enemy. So when you heard that sound, it was a signal, get inside the gates. 
return back home, return back to the safety of these walls. It was that clear call that that you would learn as a child to listen for that sound. If you were inside of those walls already, it was a sound to prepare for an approaching enemy. It was an unmistakable sound for these people. The word as we have it here, Ezekiel is sounding the alarm to the people of Israel that they have been walking apart from God, they've been living apart from God, and there's this call to return to God, to hear from God, to be healed by God, to be restored. And whenever we see this attack coming against our own people, whenever we see people who are not walking with God, when we see people who are headed for an eternity without Christ, It awakens that alarm inside of us to give the warning that there is a danger approaching and that God has a plan and a purpose for us and that we can come to know Him. There's this call for alarm. There's this spiritual call to send out this message, a clear sound. It must be a clear signal According to historians, one of the most famous sounds for Americans is that signal that was sent out by Paul Revere. There was a whole network of communication when the British soldiers had occupied New England. And when they began to move, they created ways of communicating across the landscape where the enemy was and where they were headed. And one of those famous images for us as Americans was that signal in the top of the church. Put up a lantern if they were going by land or by sea. Remember that? One if by land, two if by sea. It was a way of communicating clearly so that everyone would know what was coming The watchman's role is to send a clear signal. And the clear signal that Ezekiel had, the clear sound that we have today, is that we must be reconciled to God. That God desires that we be reconciled to Him. That is the purpose of the cross, that we know Christ. That we be reconciled to God. And one of the admonitions that I give you today is in this role of watchman. Just as we must be careful that we don't misidentify enemies, we also have to be careful that we're sending forth a clear sound. Now, if the watchman sits up in the tower and all during the day he just randomly plays that ram's horn just for fun... What eventually happens? People begin to ignore the sound of that ram's horn. And I say that as a careful but needed admonition to us today. We have to choose our battles. 
If we are constantly railing about everything that happens in life, if we're constantly shouting and screaming about everything in the world, eventually people stop listening to us. If we take up a hundred different causes and confuse the world about what the true message is, people eventually stop listening to us. Parents, if we harp on every single thing that happens every day, eventually our children block out those voices. We save the alarm for a true emergency. This is a true emergency. Being reconciled to God is a true emergency. There's a time to sound the alarm. Now, I'm not picking on dogs here, but some dogs barking serves absolutely no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> there can be a good watchdog, but some dogs, you actually, you, you actually begin to say this. Somebody says, well, why is that dog? Well, he barks at everything. It's completely useless. Could be somebody breaking into your house. Could be a squirrel. Could be a cricket. Could be his own shadow. His bark has no meaning or value. May we be careful that we not become like that. That people just begin to tune us out and ignore us. But in that precision, when we do have a true alarm, may we be ready to sound it. When we have people in our life, when the moment is appropriate that we share the word that God has a plan for that person and that there is hope in Christ. Ezekiel chapter 33, we're going to back up to 3 and 4 for a moment. Whenever we sound this alarm, what we're hoping to do is evoke in the person who hears it a response, a desire for truth. When that ram's horn was blasted, the desire was that those that heard it, they would run to the city as safety. Our desire today is that people will run to Christ for the safety that is found in Him and to be reconciled with Him. The second part of verse 3 and then verse 4 says, and blows the trumpet and warns the people then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning. We're going to look in a moment at what that response is. But our first desire is that when people hear that sound, they will respond to that warning. Ezekiel's people were in great danger. They had not been following God, and that was the reason for this series of judgments that had come across their land. Many people had stopped listening to the prophets as Ezekiel made even that opening statement that God had spoken. Many people just laughed. They didn't listen. They were unwilling to hear. But thankfully, there were those who heard the voice of Ezekiel they heard the word from the Lord. And God spoke into their hearts and they responded. And God raised up 
His people once again. The temple was rebuilt. There was a time of refreshing. The nation was rebuilt as a result of that refreshing. And our desire is that people will hear. And there's a need in every generation. Understand this. We're never going to reach a time where all of our children just automatically follow God. Because every single one of us, all of us, are rebellious people. I'm a rebellious person. You are a rebellious person. And by our nature, we rebel against God. And every generation will need this same message. And we are thankful that God continues to speak to every generation. And we're thankful that God continues to raise up people who will follow Him in every single generation. Our desire is for truth. Our desire is that we will love truth. Our prayer for the next generation is always, God, keep their hearts soft. May they listen to You. May they run to You when they hear Your voice. When that sound goes out for an alarm, may they hear it and may they run and may they choose life. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 5. The watchman has the responsibility to issue the sound. The hearer has the responsibility to respond to the sound. You and I have the responsibility. What will we do when God speaks into our heart? What will we do when we're told to run to the city? Verse 33, chapter 33, verse 5 says this. They heard the alarm, but ignored it. So the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. The image again, you can imagine this city. They've got a wall all the way around it. And there are people off in the distance working in the fields. They hear the alarm, but they say, you know what? I've got more time. I'm just going to stay out here. Or they just ignore it altogether and never come in. The gates are closed. There comes a time when you have to close the gates. And when the enemy approaches, if you're outside of those walls, you're in great danger. And you probably will lose your life. And that image is is very clear to those original hearers. The responsibility to respond when God speaks is upon each one of our hearts. The truth of the Gospel is that Jesus Christ died in our place. And despite our rebellion, God loved us even while we were still enemies. And God's Word to us is that we respond, that we confess our sin before Him, that we turn from our ways and follow Him. And His promise is that He will restore us. That's true individually. That's true as a whole people. That is God's desire. And the response and the choice is ours. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, We're told that we have a choice. God has set before us life and death. And He says, very simply, choose life. 
And the call to you and I today is that we find life. What a gracious God that despite our rebellion, despite my rebellion, despite my choice to live apart from Him, that God out of His grace speaks to me and says, I want you to find life. I want you to find safety underneath the cross. And He calls us to come to Him. He calls you to come to Him and to follow Him, to lay down our pride, to surrender to Him and find life. So what will you do today? Will you choose life? God's desire is that you run to Him and find life. The choice is yours. You pray with me this morning. Father, I pray that You will speak Your truth over our lives. We thank You that You speak to us. We thank You that You hear us whenever we cry out to You. And Father, I pray all over this place this morning that we will cry out to You. Father, for those who are here today and who are ready this morning to simply give their life to You, may You hear us. May You receive us. And I pray that You'll change us. Father, our hope today is in You and nowhere else. You are the hope of each of us individually. You are the hope of our nation. And we trust in You. May you hear us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today here at First Baptist Church in Asheboro, North Carolina. We sincerely hope you were blessed by today's message. I would encourage you to please share our podcast so that others may enjoy them as well. If you'd like to join us here in person, our contemporary service starts at 8.30 a.m., followed by our classic service at 11. First Baptist Church is located at 133 North Church Street in Asheboro, North Carolina. Have a wonderful week, and may our Lord bless you richly.